Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. You know what it would take for a man to do this? For someone to skin a human being? No tracks. Nothing. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. What the hell are you doing? Hey, something came after us. I don't know what happened. What do you mean something came after us? all the way here. Hold on. What came after I don't know. Where were you? We were at the school. Mark, he's dead, and I think they got Nick, too. What was it? Ricky. I don't know. Today, as part of our LVRMP series, we'll be discussing Aliens vs. Predator, colon, Requiem, starring... John Ortiz. Sheriff Eddie Morales, Gunnison, Colorado. You have to help us, Colonel. There's some kind of infestation, and if we don't get help soon, there won't be any of us left. What's the Army's evacuation plan? Colonel? Rico Aylesworth. Why do we stop it? It doesn't make any sense. Gilliam Circle is right in the center of town. We'll be surrounded by those things. Wait a second, what are you saying? I think the Colonel was lying. That's crazy. The government doesn't lie to people. Stephen Pasquale. Eddie, if she's right, the only thing down that road are more of us. You're not seriously considering this. I'm considering whatever keeps us alive. Which means getting out of this town. And Johnny Lewis. You're not leaving without him. You have to go. You'll make it. Directed by Greg and Colin Strauss. I'm not leaving you. Get to the chopper. You don't have to do this, Colin. Go, go, go. Come on, you motherfuckers. Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. So, a requiem is a mass for the dead. But a synonym of requiem is lament, which means to strongly regret something. Like how I lamented the decision to review every film in this series. It's Gally in Glasgow. You're too stupid to talk, Dale. It's everyone in London. I taught this little slut everything she knows it's patrick in rome what are you guys stoned it's matt in south korea oh welcome back gang and welcome back listeners now uh listeners listeners please forgive me i'm gonna give you a little a little glimpse into my life this week danielle normally watches the films with me but i uh i had to say to her one night i'd watch the film in another room she she was not happy she stopped me and i was like i told you when we hooked up baby that you're going to have to share me with all the bad films <laughs> and all the ugly scenes on this planet. Danielle proceeded to say something about me not letting her watch AVP Requiem as not sharing, to which I responded, oh, I see. What I should do is come home and say, hi, honey, guess what? I watched a film today where some assholes devised a scene where an alien <laughs> hybrid walks into a pregnancy ward and starts eating baby fetuses because... The filmmakers are idiots. So let me share that with you. Come on, let's share that. And in sharing it, we'll somehow cathartically dispel all that heinous shit, right? What's going on? <laughs> I'm with you, girl. <laughs> Those who can't work it out, watch more Michael Mann films. Anyway, today we continue our journey through the stars or into the creative black hole for our LVRMP series where we're going to look at every single film in the Alien and Predator franchises this week is aliens versus predator colon requiem patrick thoughts on the title it's actually hyphen requiem it's it's avpr colon aliens versus predator hyphen 
recipe. Jesus Christ, it is. <laughs> oh, God. The title card, you can't even read it when the film comes on. You can read AVPR. So they're obviously, you know, again, sold on this fucking ridiculous notion of the, the letters. And then the actual title of the film just flashes in red at the beginning of the film. You can't even read it. Like, uh, like the, um, Partridge uh, observation of Bond's opening title cards is like, what's that, better bush? Too late. ridiculous red on black is notoriously bad anyway like you you couldn't even read it but the color scheme makes it even harder why do these titles irk me so much (laughs) did you notice that some of the credits had uh, there were a blend of the alien font and the predator font the predator sound which i I started to like and just washed it away in this horror and the score seems to have sort of butchered two key things from the previous films and just meshed them together as well in a new recording i quite liked having harks the original score from like predator come back there it helped after avp because there's nothing in there was there there's nothing that hooked back in at all we will go with first experiences i will start with you patrick because i fear that this may be us breaking you into this movie yes yeah sorry um i watched it last night <laughs> but um i'd never seen it before much like alien avp alien versus predator and i don't remember the trailer for it at the time i don't remember it coming out but um yeah thanks mate we we owe you yeah. an apology don't you because i think there is a world that is happier if you didn't know that this film existed. <laughs> Devlin, our, our history with this one is probably the same. Was it Love Film or The Red Box? No, we went to the... There's, there was a video shop in Hyde Park in Leeds where if you went and you returned the film in the same day, like pre-midnight, there was a little scanner on the way back in. It's a tiny little video shop. And if you took it back on the same day, you saved a couple of quid. You took it back immediately. <laughs> we rented. We, we shouted at... And we looked at the watch and it was like, <laughs> it's only about half 11. So we all, despite the fact that we were all like slouching around on the sofa on some midweek, random anonymous midweek day, we were like, fuck this. And we the walked down Woodhouse. Yeah. We walked down Delph Lane and then back to, back to the video shop. And we dropped it off at about 10 to midnight so we could save two pounds. Because we were like, I'm not paying extra two quid for this. <laughs> agreed, agreed. So that is my that's my history with it. I've not seen it since. Um, so this week, uh, despite my uh, my Pacino monologue, uh, just just gone. <laughs> oh, it was a Pacino monologue. Yeah, I've not seen that film in a very long time. Also, you didn't do a funny accent, so Hoo-ha! how was I supposed to know? Well, it wasn't the great ass line, <laughs> because that line is reserved for better films to be discussed. Hold, hold on, though. Why did you rent this in the first place? Was the Aliens on Earth thing a factor? Did that draw you in, or did you not really care? Uh, a, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I guess, because they've always dangled that little carrot, haven't they? So, yeah, the Aliens on Earth thing was was something, but it didn't. It wasn't the defining factor. I think it was more just... Is this going to be as bad as the previous one? De- Devlin, that was the same for you, yeah? Yep, that was my first and only viewing of this film up until the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> never, really <laughs> felt, never really felt compelled to go back, so... Gally made you watch it all those years ago, yeah. 
yeah, I, I do think that there was a, a, a mutual curiosity because we'd all disliked the previous one and we'd all liked so many of the films that came before it. I don't really remember the buzz. I don't remember whether it was a, a, a film that was supposed to be good. Uh, much like you, I, d- I don't remember trailers. I remember it being, it was obviously a big film release, but I don't remember. I remember the trailers the... for the Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, as far as like the hoopla for this one, considering we were at the time at the height of our massive nerdhood, it's kind of weird that we just didn't even realize it existed. But yeah, how about you, Matt? I'd only seen this one once. Uh, when it first came out on probably Love Film. It's 2007, right? So it'll be Love Film Screen Select era. Uh, and I have rewatched it since. And I remember being underwhelmed both times. But I, you're asking why, like, we watch it. But anything that's tied to a franchise that you love so much, you kind of want to see it. Even if it's it's like looking at a car crash. You know, you, you don't want to see it, but you sort of have to have a look and see what they're up to. And... I've been forced to watch it again for the podcast. So that was three times, but I watched it about, <laughs> but I watched it about two months ago, like, cause I knew we were yeah. going to do it eventually for, for the LVR MP. And I'd forgotten so much of it that I had to try and watch it late last night. And I, and I nodded off. So I'm, um, uh, my initial notes are from the unrated cut and they're from two months ago. And then I've got what's in my memory from last night, which was the theatrical. And I kind of, uh, dipped in and out of it if i'm honest we should probably establish i watch the i mean again loath to say unrated too hardcore for screens did you guys watch the theatrical or the unrated i don't I, I, know i, I watched it on disney plus or whatever that was I, yeah okay or well, the 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 tell will be when the predator goes finds his mate's dad does he put one of the masks on and then see 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 what they saw so the little when the Bradalian pops out and does a little, um, do, does he see that? This is like a like a bad CGI Bradalian um, in 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 like a yellow uh, uh, in a yellow uh, yeah. hue. Yeah, yeah. He sees yes. like a like a like and an instant replay. Can't spend on yeah. I, I so I watched it twice. Once on Disney Plus, as did Patrick, and then the second time uh, apologies to my employers if they're listening. I watched it on our special in-house um, system where we keep all of our broadcast materials, oh, no so way. I could not tell you what that what that was. It's Clearly that's the TV version because it was divided into parts. So I guess that would have been TV? theatrical. Or possi- oh, right. Yeah, possibly even uh, an even <sighs> tighter edit. It was about um, 90 something minutes. Mm. It wasn't okay. long. Yeah, mine's one hour forty, but def- with credits. But Devlin, you, I think you've hit upon how to watch this movie, which is to get paid for it, which would be <laughs> good. Anyway, um, right. So, Patrick, it's story time. I would love to hear how you're going to kind of condense this one down. Um, so, would you remind us and the listeners of the plot, quote-unquote, of now let me get this right avr avpr yes hyphen no. No. aliens versus no. predator Gally, Gally, Gally. it's oh, fine God. i've got this don't worry <laughs> okay you sit back and relax here comes the book here we go avpr colon aliens versus predator hyphen requiem the dictionary says the requiem is an actual token of remembrance 
a mass for the repose of the souls of the dead. Following directly on from the events in Bovatoya, the impregnated corpse of a predator spawns an alien-predator hybrid, or Predalien, which quickly grows and attacks the other predators on board, who, in their haste, damage the ship which crashes back down on Earth in small-town USA, Gunnison, Colorado. The ship is carrying live face-huggers too that escape during the crash and latch onto Eddie Benson and his son while the last predator on board sends a distress signal before dying. A skilled predator, Wolf, sees the distress signal and sets off for Earth while Midtown American life goes on oblivious to the horror that is upon them. A man called Dallas, yes, Dallas, is returning home but is not fit for the name and Kelly... A soldier also comes home after a tour. We suppose they are the main characters. Xenomorphs are on the loose now as Sheriff Morales looks for missing persons and Wolf starts cleaning up the mess with his magic blue potion. Wolf fights the Predalien and aliens in the sewer and a power plant and causes a blackout as Ricky and Jesse go for a flirt and a swim at the high school pool. Dale, douchebag bully, did teach that slut everything she knows. I wonder if he taught her how to swim. Anyway, the aliens are rife in the town, and this is a sequel after all, which means we have new technology and abilities. So get this, listeners. The Predalien is targeting pregnant women, throat-fucking them to give birth to multiple xenomorphs, but not bursting out of the chest cavities, but from their womb. Anatomy, huh? The National Guard are killed, Kelly's husband is killed also, and the town is being evacuated. Sheriff Morales calls Colonel Stevens, who seems perfectly trustworthy, about air evacuation, but Kelly doesn't like the idea of going to the centre of town, so heads for the helicopter at the hospital. Plenty of pregnant women there. More and more die. Wolf makes a mega gun as this, the, as few survivors head for the helicopter in the nick of time. The Predalien and Wolf fighting it out to the death as Colonel Stevens does indeed prove untrustworthy, nuking the site. And to add mystery to that finale, Miss Yutani shows up to claim the mega gun. You know, because of legacy, I suppose. It began on their world, it will end on ours. Patrick, a delightful summary there. A hint of sarcasm? Did I detect a hint of sarcasm? Um, oh, no, no. I, you know, I, I, Played it straight down the line. Straight down the line. Every film with an open um, mind. One thing that I, I made sure I put in story time there is I, I can't believe they had the gall to call that character Dallas. Also, can we, can we not... Um, how many fucking people did you have to talk about there? I didn't talk about half of them, Dev. We, we will get into characters. But before we, we focus in on characters, one of the things that the visual medium is kind of required is to see. If you can't see an alien, does it exist? Sure. I don't know. This is where I lean on the more technical-minded people, including you, Dablin, who used to do lighting setups all the time. I assumed it's a post-production issue. As in, I cannot imagine that a director of photography of any level whether that be amateur, student, professional, would go for this type of mm. contrast or lack of just lit things. Like there isn't even a backlight. There's only shafts of light. Mm. When we're in the dark, damp sewers of Colorado, hold your laugh. 
you can't see a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 um, I think it was probably the nadir of something which had been brewing since probably around the mid nineties, which is that, um, after seven and Darius Kanji's bleach bypass process became like, uh, kind of a, a look that people wanted to put into these, you know, thematically dark films had to be visually dark. The thing with Darius Kanji is that what he did was he made sure that there was plenty of contrast and more so there was texture in the backgrounds to make sure that you were orientated at the very least. So I think that um what this film reminded me of was like the kind of the early to mid 2000s like platinum dunes look. Uh the cinematographer on this is Daniel C Pearl who was the cinematographer on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in the 70s. Uh he then went on to have a long and uh, a very illustrious career as a cinematographer for some extremely high-profile music videos, some of the most famous of the uh, 80s and 90s, including, but not limited to, I Would Do Anything for Love, Every Breath You Take, <laughs> Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax, <laughs> Dancing on the Fucking Ceiling, uh, With or Without You by You 2 November Rain, Jesus, Slash having a solo in a churchyard with no amplifier, and Genesis's I Can't Dance. So, like, this is not... um a fumbling amateur. This is a guy with 30 plus years of, of, of experience. And he was drafted in to shoot the remake of Texas Chainsaw a couple of years before this. So, um, that a dark I think, film? you know, like aesthetic, it dark. was, it had the, the same kind of harsh, desaturated, very contrasty look, uh, that sort of, you know, and, and lots of teal and orange around the place. So it, it, it bore the marks of that, you know, um, that that heavy uh post-production influence that was coming in but what i think pushes this one into the realms of fucking unwatchable is that everyone involved said they wanted to make it look dark because alien versus predator the the first <laughs> film alien versus predator was so kind of televisually lit it looked like a canadian tv show from the 90s it looked like lex or something so they were like no this is wrong so we want to force <laughs> them but that you can see that there are highly contrasted lighting setups. And then once they have got it into the post-production process, they have fucking crushed it. So even the, even the spotlights, the highlights are brought down. So anything that could even be considered a mid-tone is obliterated. There is a YouTube video, which we'll put on the, um, in the show notes where someone, some plucky consumer has basically pulled this into, um, uh, some I would imagine fairly basic software like Adobe Premiere and just pulled all of the midtones back in. Mm. And obviously they've done this from uh the the final edit, so there's not as much information there as you would hope for. But even then, even somebody just doing the most basic pass on it, there are scenes so the 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 sewer is the is by far the worst offender. It's in. It's impossible to but, see what's But even happening. in the sewer, like Gally just said, mm. that there's no backlight. There's nothing. But there is. Yeah. That's once. Thing, yeah. Gally. Once. Like, the, I saw that there. Yeah. There is in the in the forest. Oh no! I could see. Stuff. I could see the origin. I could see the I motivation like, for lots. It may be kind of rude to say that DAP didn't light this properly. I oh, no, it's, no it's, I wasn't. I wasn't suggesting it's that. It's a. All, it's a. It's Sorry, definitely a grading issue. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely a grading issue. So when they, this guy, this YouTuber has pulled some of the mids back in. <laughs> YouTuber. <laughs> there, there is. I mean, this YouTuber with a, oh, I can imagine was a 720p copy has basically managed to resurrect, alien resurrect, 
um, a massive amount of, of the film. It's actually visible. It's, it's funny on, on YouTube. I watched the trailer and the trailer had more clarity than the film. It's, it's, um, so th- there's a shot, for example, of the, the predator when he is looking down at the, um, the nest that's been made out of the homeless people who live in the, in the sewer and the shot, he is not lit. Like his face, his details, there is no light on him from camera side. There's literally no light. So what they were expecting to do is to silhouette him against the a lit back wall. And they wanted to light their, that, that sort of slick reflected light. The thing is they've pulled the, the, the colors, uh, the, the contrast so far. And they pulled the, the mids and the blacks so far down that the only thing you can see is the light illuminating some of the tendrils and some metal bars. But those are at random angles. These are like a mess of kind of angled shapes. And they're only like hot lit. So you've got a completely dark figure against a completely dark background with just a few randomly angled shapes of light to, 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 uh, to show him up. And it's like, I don't know why they ever imagined that that would be enough because it's so visually confusing. There's also like when, the predator wolf. I can't believe I'm giving it a name. I am wolf. The, uh, Are the, you? The, the father and the son in the in the forest, and he inspects the wounds in the chest. You can't see mm. anything. Mm. Pat, so we've established the the what and the how, because I, and just so I'm clear as well, listeners, I I, I don't hold this against the director of photography. Um, at all. It de- it depends whether this was taken away from him, though, because if he was overseeing the post-production, then he has overseen an, an, a film which is impossible to see. Yeah, and the question is, what, out the editing room. what was on there that they felt so strongly looked so bad that they would put out a film that you can't see? Was it that, uh, I've read somewhere that potentially this was in the, this is early in the cycle of films like this being shot native digital on the red camera i mean i don't know if i buy that i'm sure there'd been films shot digitally before this still 2007 but i think that perhaps they were still experimenting with what the red camera could do and um they've always touted digital as being able to work better in low light than film which makes sense because you can get far more sensitive uh, chips than you can you know film stock and film stock gets very grainy when you start going low light but as you've, if you've ever taken a photograph on your own mobile phone, and then you've ever taken a photograph in a dark room with no direct lighting source on your mobile phone, it goes so soft, right? Like you get a lot of uh, artifacts, it goes really soft. I think they didn't realize how bad some of the low midtones would look on that digital, and they made a, a call which is like, let's just get rid of them. Is this motivated? through technical incompetency or a misunderstanding or is it producers execs and directors in a room going poor that looks that looks like a guy in a suit you know because i understand the the aspiration is to to kind of go for the ridley scott alien vibe which was to shroud especially the alien creature shroud it in darkness because that's where it you know that's where it best lives i mean we've we've discussed before in avp that the moment you take the xenomorph out of the shadows it looks a bit goofy um it's just by by nature of design the predator 
was always shrouded in mystery because we didn't know what it was in the first one. So we were, you know, McTurnan kept us away from it. Not that we couldn't see it. We saw the netting on the legs. We saw its tools. We saw the hand. But it was, you know, it was done to restrict our understanding of what the creature is. In Predator 2, the genie's out the bowl. But Stephen Hopkins shoots that Predator where I know outside of Goofy Hand climbing the walls, which was uh, more of a technical issue with regards to the stunt than uh, a kind of mistake through photography. This, I mean, to say incompetence, it reads as like you're either scared of what you shot and you just want to hide it or you don't understand the, the, the field that you're working within. I find that difficult to believe when these Strauss brothers, quote-unquote, that's what they call themselves professionally. No, they don't. They call uh, themselves the brothers Strauss. Oh, God, it's even worse. Yes, they are <laughs> theirs. I forgot. Um, <laughs> they they work in visual effects. So this really yeah. should be like their canvas. And somehow they go and fucked it up. Well, it also... I. I wonder what you thought. You get an awful lot of Predator POV vision here, which kind of sheds some light on some of these situations we were saying. And is what do you think, Matt? Like, do you think that's a response to how dark it is, as well as a counter for it somehow? Or I, I don't know. It, did you see that? Did you think there was, it was an awful lot of Predator POV? Well, I listened back to the original Predator one we did, and Devlin was talking about uh, how they had to open up the whole iris for a shot and you could tell that it was all shot on celluloid and people were struggling to get things in the can. And now I think you said Dev back then, uh, it seems like modern films have this kind of flat plate to them that can then be adjusted later. So I felt like this was one of the victims of that. Uh, and we lost a lot of humanity with, with this particular film. At least it was in focus. There is a, a shot which uh, somebody posted somewhere again on YouTube, which is of uh, on-set footage of them filming the sequence where the alien jumps through the window and fucks up that guy. Oh, mm-hmm. best bit in the movie. Can I just say, just watching watching uh, well, the guy with the sweeped back hair who yeah. looks like he was a lovely dad, a lovely dad, just getting yeah. mauled. He ain't pretty and no I, more. But I, you, again, couldn't see it. I would have loved to have no. seen like at least a couple of like arms and maybe a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so no, if no, you, nothing. If you watch the onset footage for that, which is obviously just being shot on a fairly standard um, prosumer level video camera... Um, the whole uh, uh, set is really well lit. It's bright. It's yeah. as you would expect a film set. It's it's shot on a on a soundstage as well, obviously, because you can't have people jumping through windows in practical houses. So, um, the one thing that people say is that um, there's footage of the cinematographer looking very pissed off mm. because when uh, the alien's face is being lit by torch from inside, he keeps saying it's too dark. It's too dark. Mm. Um, they've gelled the front of the. Um, torch and it looks like the batteries are running low um but then afterwards you see that they they take the gel off and they rebattery the torch and actually it's extremely bright if anything it's too high so i think people were using that as a reason to be like oh he wasn't lighting on set but that's literally just one sequence where one practical light wasn't as bright as he wanted it but looking at that you can see literally every single detail and so watching that onset footage versus watching what ends up in the final edit where you again it's not an exaggeration to say that you literally can barely see what happens there. Mm, yeah. Like that was in a, a, a standardly well-lit bedroom set with multiple 
um, stage lights on it. So they must have yanked the, 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 the blacks so, so low and then tinted everything kind of blue. Uh, it doesn't help that they also went with shaky cam and a lot of rapid editing as well. Basically, the, the eyes just don't have time to adjust to anything. Mm. Well, Devlin, this there film is... won MTV's mm. best fight of the year. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, and, oh, and everything you're just saying there is exactly like, I don't <laughs> see any, I don't see the fights, I don't see the... No. How... God almighty. I, there, there were times when it is not an exaggeration to say that 80 to 85% of the screen real estate is black. Like literally no information being conveyed by the scene. I understand darkness, but it's just invisible. Should we, should we, I'll tell you what, should we, we, we work our way into how a film like this gets made? You know, we've already touched upon their reaction to the first one. My profitable big, though, wasn't it, the first one? It was profitable, mm-hmm. yes. I, I wonder if they overestimated the, the, the want and desire and the kind of the demographic that would want these well, they planned a trilogy, splice together. Really. Well, that's what I mean though. They planned a trilogy, but then, well, actually, in, in modern terms, this is how it normally goes, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it was very well thought through because, for example, mm. this, 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 this film starts off with the Predator craft. I mean, I do like like watching Predators just do mundane tasks. No <laughs> but the fact that I'm watching like a Predator do some basic candy? science. Yeah. <laughs> want some Ken? Want some zinc and copper? It's like, <laughs> whilst he's doing his little uh, experiments. But I don't want to watch them walking around like, and all, mm. I just, it, all of it feels a bit icky. Oh, I was going to say about the mystique there, because we, we, we talked about it before, like, what do the predators get up to? Do they play chess? Do they watch TV? <laughs> and, um, but like this one with, with the, it, it, photographically, just going back to that for, for one second, that gives us that mystique. But how many times did I write in my notes this week? Be careful what you wish for. It was like, I want the mystique, but I don't want that much mystique that I can't see what's going on. And then, also, also, like you're right, the stuff aboard the the ship, it tends to reveal too much every time you you go to it. You see things you wish you'd never seen. Well, I guess I'm also speaking to the sandbox that the that they've chosen. You know, we've mentioned before about um, when we were talking about first experiences. Was there an allure to watching the these? I say these creatures, but in, in particular the xenomorph being on Earth. You know, we've seen the predator on Earth, and granted. The xenomorphs were on Earth in the last movie, but by you know, by all logical thinking, it could have been in the middle of fucking nowhere because that's exactly where it was. You know, we want to see. Did we want to see xenomorphs running past the McDonald's trying to kill someone? Actually, it was a Papa John's. Oh, it's a Papa John's. <laughs> I did see the Papa, <laughs> Papa John's tie-in. <laughs> Is it a bit like Lost World when um the they do the King Kong thing and the T Rex breaks free in in L A and he's he's destroying gas stations and uh, things like that? It's drinking from a pool. I, I kind of, yeah, <laughs> eating a dog, but the. You know, it's kind of, as a kid, I don't mind it at all. And I'm a big King Kong fan. I know what Spielberg was doing there. But here, I, I, I think what's in the back of my mind is I want to see the Newt story, uh, the kind of thing, the, the kind of progression of what happened to Newt in Aliens that we didn't really see. But I want to see that on Earth. And my other biggest problem with this movie and some other sequels is that there's no one carrying over from the earlier films. There's no protagonist. There's yeah. no Marty McFly. There's no Ripley. There's no uh, Sarah Connor. Mm. 
Oh, yeah, I'm so invested in Miss Yutani. I mean, yeah, it would have been better if they managed to resurrect Scar from the first one. You know, oh, our original Predator Man. Well, that's a problem too. It's like I don't really care about anything from AVP to carry it over. There's no, and you're talking about a trilogy. There's no Luke Skywalker kind of through line emotional yeah, arc yeah. Of, as we've talked about. There's really nothing. And in a in an hour and a half movie dealing with aliens predators and pred aliens now uh there's no time to develop anything from scratch and i think it was just doomed from the yeah. start because of that mm. um an- another problem with having no characters carrying over not even the same fucking predators carrying over so you can't even it, they all just it's a new one every time um we as an audience are so familiar, perhaps familiar to the point of fatigue with everything that's going to happen. We know what a predator is. We know what the xenomorphs are. We know most of what's going to happen. The characters do not, and they don't even realize they're in an alien slash predator movie until like an hour in. Mm. So we're watching a bunch of people that we don't care yeah. about. Yeah. not knowing and you can you can wring dramatic tension from that except that they don't right well devlin my my big problem with it was in the last film in the last alien versus predator film i was i was pretty damning of the setup you know the 50 minutes before we got to the thing that the title promised us and Rewatching this movie, I was like, oh, I am enjoying how expedient they are in getting the predator and the alien into the location where the sandbox in which these are going to play. And then they completely abandon it. Like five minutes right. of alien predator set up. They've got loose. There's a predalien thing. I mean, again, I'm forever going to be embarrassed as a, as a man in my thirties saying the word predalien. Um, <laughs> but then. We just start hanging out with all these people and all these people, honestly, I was laughing my head off at every single character introduction. I was like, how many are we going to do? We got, <laughs> and, and eventually I started, you know, this is how bored I was. I started just thinking about movies and try and kind of giving them, oh, you're the, this type of character. And you know, um, Dallas. So Dallas ended up becoming oh, my point of time. Was, introduction. Like, it was it was like airplane to me. It was like Lloyd yeah. Bridges going, uh, "It was a bad day to stop being a convict." And then uh, and then for Rico Aishworth, uh, she comes back. It's a bad day to be a military vet. It's like, why are these people all coming back to town on the same day? And who the fuck am I supposed to be following? Well, they had to go shorthand, didn't they, to try and make it work. But did you not feel there was an element of the Ripley maternal aliens thing that they were trying to tap into with the the military mum? You say trying. I think trying is very very giving to them because they didn't try. It's just a child with some... Jurassic Park night vision goggles, but you're absolutely right. Look, what, why, why is it Lex in this film from the, the last one? When you, when you leave the military, are you allowed to bring night vision goggles back for your kid? <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have thought so. Also, don't def- give her night vision goggles and then as soon as it gets dark, tell her to go to bed. I mean, it's just cruel, isn't it? She, she can't even play with the thing. Criminal. There's no setup and payoff though, those goggles either though, is that, you know, it's just. I would, I would argue, Patrick, that there is no setup or payoff. I mean, okay, so we don't talk about characters and setup and payoff as such. We talk about individual moments maybe, but not necessarily characters. We, t- we refer to characters 
with arcs. Now, for all of my uh, all of my uh, kind of misgivings of Alien versus Predator and Paul W S Anderson's writing, he understands the framework of a story and a framework. And he and again, I didn't like any of them, but there were uh, attempts <laughs> to make us like the people that we were following yeah. in the last movie. I didn't like them. It didn't work. But I recognized... But Spud has kids. I recognized <laughs> yeah. the beats. Say so two yeah. people had an interaction which was supposed to elicit a response from me. It didn't work. But I know that he understands that that is something that's important. These guys and... Uh, what's Who's the who's the writer who was credited for this? Um, oh, God. Shane, uh, Salerno. Shane Salerno. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but there is no way... I mean, okay, to be to be kind and not to go too cruel, this is like proper amateur hour because no one has an arc. So not only do we not have a character that we, as we would call our protagonist, we also don't have anyone grow, learn anything. The challenges that are put before them within the story are, are literally a situation of conveniences or consequences. Like the sheriff doesn't learn anything. He's dumb throughout the, the the pizza boy he doesn't become better at delivering pizzas or something <laughs> by the end of the movie quite like um how cutthroat some of the film was though you know like people just dying you know like oh okay i don't know everyone i do feel like everyone's gonna die which i kind of kind of enjoyed that aspect to it that it's um but didn't you want them to die like i, I wasn't invested enough in them to that brings me on to my point is, but I didn't care. Even when Jesse, the blonde got like pinned up on the wall and the pizza boy is looking up at us, just, I, I, oh, I, I, I laughed. That was, that was my favorite bit of the film. <laughs> I was annoyed because I was enjoying like watching her. That was the only thing I was enjoying <laughs> at that point. I think mean, she gets ninja stark to death. If we can say that, um, what they do tend to do though is introduce characters who fucking suck. And then they die immediately. You've got the smoking guy who uh, tells military mum that she has to shut that kid up. And he says it three times and then he gets his head exploded. It's like <laughs> you literally just deposited a character on us who is loathsome so that he can die immediately. You do the same when the pizza guy's boss comes back and he from absolutely nowhere jumps out of a truck and decides to join God, in the tank yeah. party. I didn't even recognize him. I couldn't figure out who the fuck he was. He's the, yeah, he's the, the, the pizza guy. He's wearing his pizza shirt still, but he says, he sits down, he says, I'm a massive coward. I never helped anyone. I'm awful. And then he gets out of the tank and says, screw the women and children. Fuck this Titanic shit. You're all assholes. <laughs> and then he gets, and then he gets killed immediately. But it's like, but then the pizza boy doesn't get killed. He gets spiked, but right? not dead, which makes it's no bullshit. sense to me. The, and when you think of the deaths in the earlier ones, like the death of Burke and things like that, mm -hmm. you, you, you know, th these, th there's a huge payoff to that because you know what despicable acts they've, yep. they've tried yeah, to commit. Yeah. Here, there's just nothing, isn't there? Colonel Stevens survives. He's the only despicable character. And even they try and show him having a bit of heart. It's really, mm. but then the brothers, what did you call them? The brothers douche? They obviously can't <laughs> deal with any sort of actor, can they? Because I tell you, I think we're on for the worst performance we've spoke about on any podcast here with Stephen Pascali as Dallas, because he is 
dreadful. It was telling that before you finished that sentence, I could have given you three or four different. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, Patrick, I I wrote down, I mean, I I feel bad saying it because um, I'm sure he's a lovely man. Uh, maybe he's not, and that will help me out. But um, I'd take Chicken Cacciatore at this point. Yeah, a Chicken Cacciatore all day long because I was, I was thinking to myself, where do I, where have I seen this actor before? And then I thought, ah, oh, that time I visited LA and I went to Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> he served me my burger and chips. <laughs> like literally, it's one of the. You're oh, right. Wow. It's one of the worst performances I've seen. Like just mm. when we when we say performances, there isn't a performance. Now, I can read lines out like I did with Pacino earlier, and you could argue whether that was a performance or not. But anyone can read lines out loud in front – well, not everyone could do it in front of the camera, but but most people can. It's how you – you know, can you develop emotion? Have you got any kind of charisma? Is there a likability? Yeah. D- Davin, what's your favorite line of his? <laughs> well, so, I mean, all of the callbacks are egregious. Luckily, there's not a huge amount of them. But, my God, his delivery of the get to the chopper line. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I'm not leaving you. Get to the chopper. You don't have to do this, Alice. Even his first scene with his brother where he's like, what did you do to your face? When did you get back? Today? What happened to your face? Talk about it later. Ricky. Hey, we'll talk about it later. No, let's talk about it right now. Get your hands off. Get right your fucking hands off. So what happened to your face? Dale Collins and his friends jumped me. They threw my keys in the sewer. All right, give me the bat. What are you doing Ricky? here, Ricky? I'm, I'm not going to ask What are you again? doing? Give me the fucking bat. Come on. I'll help you find your keys. This was like regional theater audition. This is where you get like two guys who like, I watched a lot of um, Barry, the Bill Hader TV show. And this is like mm-hmm. first season Barry stuff when they get up onto the stage <laughs> in Gene Cousineau's class. And it's like, show me some emotion. <laughs> but he's a convict, but you never find out what he did. His brother mm-hmm. is uh, in high school, but looks 35. And I think a lot of that is to do with the, awful grading job and the fact that everyone has so much shadow on their face despite the fact that it's what time of day is it ever in this film by the way yeah even when the even when the the hunter well hunter that the guy and his kid are out mm-hmm. they look like they're they're out at like seven o'clock at night and it's about you know sunset but i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be sunrise I we I we will talk about it more later because I feel like I'll clog up the works if I get into it. But I have tried to map out the timeline of what happens when in this film, and it is fucked. Anyway, sorry. I, I I'm gonna just go broad point now on these human characters. It became it became really apparent to me really early on that the filmmakers do not care about any of these human characters on screen. So when when yeah, when you do that, why should we as an audience care them. And that is a fundamental mm. problem. I mean, you could look at some of the, uh, the, the old Friday the 13th movies and say that they are also just body count films where the teenagers are all fodder, but they had personality. They do give them more personality, right? I can think of like characters from Friday the 13th part three and go, yeah, I might not know who the actor is. I might not know who the character's name is, but I remember the stock type. 
Yeah, there's Yo-Yo Guy. It's often fun there's, as well. There's curly the headed Crispin Glover does a dance. Crispin, you know, yeah, in in three, there's the 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 kid who looks like Jonah Hill who just wants to get laid. They're just pure device on this, aren't they? It's just. But this is a this is a numbers film, right? It's but but here's Patrick. So here's here's my here's my question to you you guys, uh, Patrick. I know you weren't on Jaws two, but ah, in Jaws two we had sequel, didn't I? <laughs> Indeed. In, in, in Jaws 2, we had a discussion about um, what it looked like conflicting demographics that the movie was trying to appease. I'm going to argue that this film has got the same problem. We've got these adult characters, and I don't know who they're supposed to service. If they're supposed to service me as a fan of the previous, you know, the series of Aliens and Predators, then they're not. And then we've got these teenage characters who feel like a studio mandate because the demographic for AVP was, as we said, if you're a 13-year-old boy, you're probably going to love it. But anyone else, the surface-level nature of it means that it's just like, well, this is a vapid waste of anyone's time. So in this movie, we have these conflicting human characters. We've got this teenage subplot, which is just utter... I mean, we would come up with something now that's better. We're not going to because, you know, we might want to, we might write a screenplay. Who knows? We need money for it. We're, we're money, not right? going to think, because we might not be able to and that would undercut our point. And that's not <laughs> what we're here for. <laughs> is it a case of the, the Strauss brothers understanding that this is purely about the predators and the aliens and the pred alien and, and everyone else is just fodder? Yeah, they clearly are predator fans. Like the alien, yeah. the xenomorph in this in particular, it's it's not even a short shrift. I'll be honest with you, as an alien fan, I mean, this is pretty much taking the piss. Like they are, they they're barely in the movie. They they get a couple of kills. Their teeth look like they're fucking goofy as hell for some reason. I don't know what's happened there. It's like yeah. the Matt Damon puppet in Team America. It's just come out of the mold <laughs> incorrectly. Um, it's just it's, whereas obviously Paul W S Anderson in the first AVP was a huge alien fan and was probably, mm. well, I could live without the Predator. Don't really do, yeah. But we've got to have men, but, you know, leave all the cool stuff. I, I appreciated a lot of the, the man in the suit stuff and, and all of the National Guard stuff. I wished, a part of me wished that the whole movie was National Guard as the fodder. If you're going to do it, just do it like that and do it like aliens, as if they're like colonial Marines. But then what what immediately came to mind was that movie... Uh, Battle Los Angeles, mm. which uh, yes. yeah. I, I thought if I, if it had been that, it would have been that the, ent- the entire film through and I would have been disappointed, you know, regardless. So, but, but I, I did like the practical aliens. It looked like the ones in aliens, the man in a suit stuff. And through all that rain and through all the, the gores of shooting through broken windshields and, and in that, you know, the torrential rain and the darkness, there's there's an opportunity there for suspense, but they don't really ever do anything. I'll tell you where the suspense it. came for me, Matt. Um, but it was very very early on. I I found the idea of a kid getting a face hugger, and like giving yeah uh, that that kind of disturbed me at the beginning with the the young hunting kid with his dad. We and, haven't um, seen it, have we, so no. far? We haven't. And the idea of all the babies and the, there's a shot of these babies crying in the hospital, and that did get under my skin a little bit. Just to that felt like a bridge too far. That that was uh, the tone of that felt wrong for an alien film. That's why it kind mm. of like in, almost interested me a bit. I was like, whoa, they are trying something daring here. 
That is interesting, Patrick, because yeah. that is one of my questions uh, to to all of you, really. Um, you've all got different experiences and have seen a plethora of movies. But my question to you is, when does exploitation cease to become effective? And when is it just a shock well, job when it, approach? When it's throwaway and, like this mm. film. Well, to me, yeah. it's it's the bad taste of it all. So I think about, uh, and, mm. and actually then I started thinking about bad taste as in Peter Jackson's uh, wonderful bad taste, which is an alien invasion movie, um, yeah. low budget as it is. And that is a preposterous gore fest. It's, uh, it's a splatterhouse kind of vibe. The tone is way more fun. The problem with this, though, is I think when you bring in series with IP, and that have got established law, especially when you're dealing with a xenomorph. To my mind, it becomes really disrespectful. I was, I was actually to the point where I was like, this is taking the piss, right? Like, this is just so stupid. You can do stuff, but the, I mean, it kind of gets to the, the core of why this one was, was irked me as much as it did, which is like, whatever, these used to be prestigious films. Like the Alien series was, you know, they, they wheeled out big filmmakers and they really put effort in. And you could say that they wavered in the last two and that, you know, we, we, we lost focus, but they never, they never just gave up and gave it to a bunch of fucking chuckleheads. But like the, I watch a lot of like gross, trashy exploitation stuff. And there's, it's the, the gleeful kind of, for one of it, it's going to sound like a really lame, like the punk rock kind of uh, uh, disrespect of, of of norms is kind of baked into it. But it's also softened by the fact that it's like, you know, they're not going to do any real damage because they've only got about a hundred grand and a bunch of caro syrup and some like, you know, just some some latex. And that's what they're going to be able to do. So you can kind of you can set aside any sort of um qualms that you might have because it's like it's all just a lark and it's all just a lark in kind of in like you say in intentionally poor taste this is a film where you've got you know a, a mother returning from the war in afghanistan trying to emotionally reconnect with her child and the, there's there's nothing in this film that tells me that it's gonna be a fun time and also nobody's having fun <laughs> The word fun doesn't when, belong wh- in any description of this film. So when you have a, a, a giant creature looming over babies that it's potentially going to eat and then defiling pregnant women, it's like, I can't set this aside into the sort of little box of, ah, but it's all just a lark. Cause it's no, because like, it feels quite malicious, doesn't it? Yeah. When I was at um, college, um, aged about 16, 17, we were given these Hollywood screenwriting rules. I don't know where they came from. They came from my tutor that printed them out. But uh, one of the rules on there was um, don't be mean-spirited. Yeah. And it was all, all these different things you can do. But, you you know, and they used The Exorcist as a, as a reference, like, you know, um, a, a, as a successful way of doing it without veering into being mean-spirited and i know it's it's very it's a very personal thing but i've, I've seen schlocky stuff before and, and it hasn't you know offended me or anything like that but in a film like this devlin's right the way it's set up suddenly they're eating babies and it it feels like you know a hashtag not my not my alien or not my predator agreed matt because i mean here here that stands before you is you know one of the biggest fans of the original texas chainsaw massacre which you know for many people would be like oh that's a bit but there's an artistry mm. to that movie and the 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 other thing that it does is it gives us an opportunity to follow connect 
and sympathise, empathise with the characters. I, Franklin is super annoying. However, he's yeah. super annoying, but when he gets killed, I feel the weight of that death. Mm. It is not disposable. In this movie, mm-hmm. the brother Strauss, I'm going to, you know, to give him one positive, they're, they're two individuals that have set up their own company, or they've, they've perfected visual effects, or they've, you know, have, have experienced they? it. Well, maybe not perfected it. Okay, I'll start again. They're, they're, they're professionals in their fields, which is visual effects. They've, they've built themselves up. They've done things with an independent spirit, and they've managed to uh, get a hold of the keys to the kingdom of both the Alien and Predator series in 2006 uh, when they're shooting this movie. And I'm normally one who is a big advocate of seeing people move out of their their known lane and step up into the big chair. We've talked about Flash DeBonts, uh, somebody who, you know, has <laughs> who, who proved yeah. himself as a director of photography and then actually, you know what, he can make some really fucking great movies. The Haunted, the exception. But these two guys, Haunting. I'm afraid, they don't know. They don't know how to they don't know how to tell a story. Flash DeBont is kind of a, a compliment to him for me, but to call these the like Flash brothers because they just all style from music video but they they have no sustenance or understanding of human nature given the evidence of this film they, they, like we've talked about it in the last 10 minutes just no uh commitment to human beings or nature or the, like wanting the audience to latch on to humans in this it, it, it it's all vehicle this is an, a vehicle film for money uh, bean counters that just it's numbers film it's how do we get the aliens and the predators to the to the earth oh let's have some disposable bodies let's have some action that you can't fucking see and that's yeah it's just shit well you know that question you just asked there patrick how do we get to this point that to me is the whole movie so for example they you know that they wanted to get the chopper line in so they knew that they had oh, to get a chopper God. so they had to come up with the most fucking bonkers way in order to and I bet they were, they, the they retro, they retrofitted it. They were like, we'll start with the end, which is what we want, which is we want someone to say, get to the chopper and work our way backwards, as opposed to developing a story that leads you naturally to that end. Yeah, but wouldn't surprise me if they started with the end with how do we nuke them and, which is even a cop out there anyway, if they wanted a trilogy and they're killing, off, like Matt said, you want a through line, but they're killing off all the characters and it's just. Well, it's, someone it's, said back there, I, I, I don't know who said it, but it was about the, the quality of, of the film and the artistry of the film. And it made me think of Alien. And that's a nasty little film. If you break it down, the things that happen in there, there's some weird, odd sexual stuff, all the Giga. Uh, but if, if your film doesn't have the artistry and, and the, the execution of those ideas, you, you, you're left with something very vacuous. And I think that's what happened here. So with the, with the new, uh, I alluded to it in story time, uh, the sequel should develop things and new tech and new abilities here with the pred alien, for want of a better term, with the new, um, impregnation technique. What? Which a, I mean, it comes out the womb, but it's impregnating down the throat, which doesn't make sense to me anyway. Well, why didn't they go through the vagina? Sorry to get so graphic, but it's really quite. I don't see the kind of depth of um, 
Well, they're not thinking, are they? Aliens with with motherhood and and rape and all of that. This is just, oh, let's do this because it's shocking. Well, I also, Patrick, guys, help me out here. What is the, is it just for food? So can the Bredalian then supposedly lay an egg once it's eaten a baby? It's, 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 uh, it's laying, it's directly laying chest bursters multiple into in the womb by the host. It does, uh, it does it to the, the waitress and then to the woman yeah. in the maternity ward and then multiple chest bursters come out. I mean, I know that they fucked around with the life cycle of this stuff so much because they don't have the patience or the time that they did in the first film to have, you know, with John Hurt having been face hugged being in, an, in, a, in a, a coma, recovering, and then bursting. It's like, we've seen this. In, it felt like the zombies that we talked yeah. about, Dev, with the arbitrary um, gestation totally, time, like yeah. with the, the father and son at the beginning. It just, oh, great, they'll just burst out at exactly yeah. the same moment for the sake of keeping things Look how moving. quickly the, the Predalien grew up at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's in two minutes, yeah. it's full-sized. Mm-hmm. It's silly. And, which just kind of takes into account the fact that the the timelines in everything are infuriating. Usually I shouldn't really care, but because there was so little going on in this film, I was trying to keep track of the fact that every time anything happens in this film, usually something violent or like a big kind of scare line or a big jolt, it would always cut and then leave the, the sound kind of echoing across the start of the next scene. But the next scene would usually be a mundane conversation between two people we don't care about. Um, but what that meant is that because they chop the film up so much, if you try and look at the timeline of like the death of, let's say the cop who goes to look for the hunter and he finds the hunter, mm. um, being melted by the predator with the, with the blue juice. Yeah. He bought the blue magic from Denzel. Yeah. And he gets killed. <laughs> so if you follow the way that the scenes play out after that, the waitress is the cop's wife. Because we yeah. see her being all worried when, when, uh, after that scene, when, when the, the, the sheriff is having his breakfast with Dallas and we called it off at 2 a.m. So she never finds out that he's dead, but we know that it's at least after 10 p.m. because, uh, we've already been to the pool. I yeah. think at this point. Yeah. Um, hmm. so it, it's, it's the chopping and cutting back and forth between plot lines, which means that probably, uh, so, the sheriff finds him. Also, the the cop is then strung up. Now, I don't want to try and impose internal logic on an alien creature that's got uh, shoulder cannons and uh, and a horrible mandible mouth. But he's on a cleanup mission, which means he's <laughs> melting everything he can find that gives any trace of his presence. But he takes the time to skin and string up the cop. He's got a code. He's got a code. <laughs> it's so stupid but that's that's as if he has a trophy yeah. right you know that's that's the the attitude of doing that so he's displaying one thing yeah, and hiding wasn't on the hunt so again even if you know, you're right internal logic aside it's just like that's so stupid you, you immediately undercut this character that you've called the wolf. Well, one of the brothers said that his favorite thing was um seeing the skinned people again so it it it's like patrick was saying certain things are crowbarred in because they enjoyed it in the original movies and the idea of you know skinning him there is just uh, it doesn't work at all it's uh, it's pointless oh, well if you're talking about logic do you want to talk about the aliens blood throughout the film 
Oh my which, god! Which stops melting mm. things after about twenty minutes. Yep. But it melts his entire arm off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't kill Hicks when he shoots it with a shotgun, but it melts his arm off, and it's only a face hugger. But later, Dallas can shoot an alien in the head from from directly beneath. Yeah, yeah. It's so harsh that it's that its head explodes. But or fine. shooting it outside mm. the helicopter's window, and it doesn't affect the helicopter. Yeah. I've written down in my notes attention to detail, but then I was just like, actually, I don't think these people care. Like, there isn't just it's just like. Basic, basic levels of continuity, understanding the story, and I'm going to say it probably in my summary, but just respect. Respecting Mm. what has gone before. There appears to be none of it. You know, we said before that Paul W.S. Anderson, he definitely watched two or three films before he made AVP. He watched Alien, he watched Aliens, and he likely watched Predator. Uh, He at least watched them and went, okay, so I have to do this. Then we said he probably watched... Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, Independence Day, Stargate. We named <laughs> we named a few of them. <laughs> the the brothers Strauss, dare I say, I do, they might have watched a movie. I don't think they understand how movies are are made. I think what they have is just like a really nuts and. I can only imagine they were hired to direct this film because they offered to do some kind of package deal whereby they would uh, direct it. And they would lead the VFX because it was their VFX company that that did all of the effects. They obviously wanted to move from there into filmmaking. They felt they had some talent, I guess. But so it means that they cheaped out. But it means that probably they were very. I would. I don't know. I would say that they would probably be able to plan out from a very logical, very budget-based perspective how many VFX shots you would need like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. I think that they were already thinking in terms of how does this get made? Like it was all practicalities, which meant that they never bothered to break the story. I, I agree with that. Like I say, I think they are starting from the end point and working way backwards, which is why lots of it feels so convoluted. Like why mm. have, in, and again, the, in the screenplay, why have this apparent like, old friendship between the cop and the convict if right. it literally means nothing it doesn't well, do anything when they when they have their yeah, discussion you said, uh, about you, yeah you used to be in the back of the car with me all that kind of stuff yeah. oh sorry that bit yeah yeah yeah. Mm. i mean li- are we just biding time like again going back to the first avp i was not happy spending so much time with Kachatori and the gang however i could understand who was representing what in the movie yeah in this, I have no idea. Is it the pizza boy that I want to root for? Is it the hot girl who gets skewered? Is it who is it? Is it the predator? If it is the predator, let's let's do everything from his perspective. Nope, we're gonna just leave him for a bit. It's yeah. mad. I think they I think they expected it to be Dallas, and you can tell because he's the first person you see, and the camera starts on his little shoes and then goes all the way up his bootcut jeans into his face. <laughs> yeah, <hero> shot. <laughs> um, but if that's the case, why isn't he coming home from prison to uh, meet up with his young daughter, who he's not seen in three years and is struggling to reconnect with? Instead, they bifurcated that plot between him and then with mm. military mum. You have essentially needlessly duplicated a single character trait. Uh-uh, not true, Devlin. It, it'd Need be someone... fine if he goes to his brother. Need someone to fly the helicopter. It's the only reason. Literally, because right. they needed to get a chopper. So, in. so then, so then, Dallas 
what is there's no point in him being an ex-con so dallas is the guy returning from the war if you go with dallas then she's only there for the female element and and you know vice versa so i and you need like a heroic male so i yeah you could put them especially in an alien film you could put them both together and and make it a strong female character and do all of those and, things. You know, and you know, you can ditch Ricky because because Ricky's unnecessary. Like he's just, you know, he's he's scrapping with his back. R- Ricky's so that we can get a close lovers. up of a girl's tits mm. and arse. My God, the way they keep the the camera on the butt oh, after the yeah. bullies come in. As as is that the perspective that you want to take on this? Well, isn't, isn't she's supposed to be what sixteen? In, yeah, in as a so. as a fictional character, I mean that's just again. under eighteen, definitely. But these nice these people. directors, they are just. It, this is a film. I think we said this of Paul uh, Anderson in um, whatever it says Anderson in in Alien vs Predator. But oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be uh, Gally. I think you listen to the commentary. Did they keep saying, "Oh, it'd, it'd be rad"? Oh, so many cools, so many yeah, rads, and they're yeah, just fucking it. immature boys who've been given a camera and money and fucking here's the playground well before i'd seen an actual picture of them i'd assumed that they were like film bros like you know frosted tips um big tans probably quite muscular (laughs) but actually actually they they are just like it nerds and and when when they're talking that well get a load of the nerds yeah, <laughs> uh, we've all called your parents. Someone spiked the punch. But uh, they, um, they, they, the way that they talk about the the film, Patrick, it's as if they are. Con- I mean, condescending is uh, char like it'd be a charming adjective. But they, um, for example, this is this is the kind of bullshit that they were peddling on the commentary with John Davis as the producer as well, and he shouldn't. Well. He's the kind of producer I want if I'm ever making a movie because my god, everything sounds amazing. He was saying they were they were saying how uh, when we were doing the casting, we didn't want to um, cast any known stars because we wanted uh, the audience to believe the people on screen were actually from this small town in Colorado. And like, yeah. what kind I, of bullshit? We didn't have you, the money to get. Uh, uh, to you get couldn't a, even get Lance Henriksen, Henriksen back. Like, even yeah. if you wanted to get Henriksen as. Um, Wayland's lost. lost, uh, Yeah, it could have been another Simpsons reference. It could have been the Danny DeVito long lost brother uh, (laughs) from Wayland, but he's Homer uh, and he lives in this small town. No, they couldn't even get Lance because Lance probably went, uh, no. Uh, so <laughs> you, you get your hands off me right now, Strasbourg. Couldn't, couldn't even get Lex from the first one. It's oh, they apparently they couldn't even get mm. Danny Glover as a retired cop in the town. That was where they were going. Oh, don't be him. harsh on Danny. Color purple, he's fantastic. I'm not being harsh on Danny. <laughs> Danny made the right decision. I'm, I played. No, him. they couldn't get him. Yeah, well done, Danny. Just that kind of level. And then when they were talking about new things that they were bringing to uh, the movie that that fans of the se- both series have never seen before. When they were talking about the Predator world, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Listen to the commentary if you, if you so wish. But they're like, yeah, we, we figured, um, you know, pr- Predator Predator Condos would be interesting, um, you know, because property <laughs> prices are so high in LA. They say this, they say this in the commentary. And I'm just like, wow. right, if you're not, even if you're taking the piss and kind of doing this tongue in cheek, the fact that you, this is probably mm. your one and only chance and you're, you're, your behavior is as such like what I, i'm just so glad that they never got to make That's another movie outside of their own production house oh, this is interesting that you mentioned battle los angeles earlier matt because did you read about the brother strauss getting in a bit of trouble Ooh, with this? them 
Yeah. So they were the VFX studio for Battle Los Angeles, and they were sued by Sony because apparently they had been lifting effects work and effects budget in order to make their film Skyline starring Eric Balfour from Off Six Feet Under and some other people. I did not know that, no. And you know what? They... If you put the skyline and the Battle LA posters alongside each other, you'd swear they're the same film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't even go for like a transmorphers. They just ge- genuinely stole, stole the movie. <laughs> for legal reasons, fans of the film that I would be, I, I dread that that's what this would turn into. So they're actually fans of the thing that I thought they were perhaps trying to avoid. Oh, no, they made it. They were the effects studio on Battle Los Angeles. Gosh. Oh, they were on that one, and then Skyline was later, and they and then it off they for that. and they di- and they directed Skyline, and while and directing Skyline, work from that, they while they were employed by them, yeah. Un- understood, got it. Insane. Yeah, quite revealing, isn't it, Devlin? That that's the type of individuals that we're dealing with. You know, they normally say that like the Hollywood kind of shifty characters, but these <laughs> these these two guys, not only are they not really have any creative vision, because I was thinking to myself, like, could you even like name a kind of aesthetic? or a vibe, or something. The film, it doesn't actually mean anything, does it? There's no subtext. There's no... But there's yeah. a thread. There's a theme that runs... It's just a... I mean, you could have quite easily gone with a kind of... And would have probably been amazing, which is like a Twin Peaks vibe of like, oh, it's, you know, it's a small <laughs> town. They, there are hints of it where, you know, you've got the, um, the, the sheriff wants to call off the search for the hunter and his son. And some guy barrels up and he looks like every kind of red state QAnon weirdo you've ever seen. He says, we take care of our own around here, Sheriff. <laughs> but it's insane because as we've learned, the Sheriff must have been living there for quite some time because he knows Dallas from previous. That's Nobody acts like they know each other, which is <laughs> mad because it's a small town. Or they do, but they do so in a massively inconsistent way. <laughs> But Dallas has been there about 12 hours and that woman at the cafe says, how's the job hunt going? (laughs) It's bad, isn't it? It's bad. It's so crazy. Do you not think if this was an hour and 45, they could fix all of that? Just have another crack at it. If it was another 15 minutes long, you Mm. you could spend that time. I mean, you'd have to major rewrite, obviously. But the 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 90 minute runtime was so limiting that there was just no time or inclination really for them to to do anything with the characters. You've yeah. got to you've got to pick your lane as well. I think you either go for a teen slasher movie, a, yeah. a a town under siege with the national guard or townsfolk um in a survival kind of horror movie. They are trying yeah. to do all three in a limited runtime. And and also as well, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but the the other things that they knew that they brought in was clearly this predalian nonsense. And it's just, mm. it's bullshit design. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> it it's literally like what it's I just got a massive head. Well, it reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite. You know, it's a, it's a tiger mixed with a, with a lion. <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> it's the same thing. Girls and magic. Did it open your minds as to what other animals we, we could perhaps turn into, um, hybrids? Yeah. Uh, a, a, a stag? Oh, a with bear. like a big kind of. <laughs> A bear would be good. A so bear would be great. Big, big an owl? Could we do an owl? An owl. Well, I, do. <laughs> I do know the reason why. It's obviously money. But the the one that felt like an, a complete open goal that they didn't go for is clearly the alien. The xenomorph takes on the the form of uh, of its host. Why don't we have a little half-man alien from the child? Aww. But no, we don't. A little one. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. It's It's wasted. 
It's all perfunctory. It's all Again, just... or, or if they were going to be that disrespectful, go Gremlins 2. You know, if it kills someone who's got glasses, the Xenomorphs also got glasses. We're at that level, aren't we? We are operating at that level. And like you say, the only, the only character that they seem to have any reverence and love for is the Predator. And when I, when I read the trivia about, again, it speaks to the mindset of these individuals. Of, of the, the, of the, the origin of the predator. Sounds like you're genuinely concerned for their mental well-being on account of how shit this film is. I just don't want them to have a camera in their hands again. We haven't had any wax, but we, we are going hard on this film. If I was going to give anything, I, I kind of prefer the performance of the predator wolf and the design mm-hmm. of it compared to the last film. Yeah. Oh yeah, much, much better, much more in keeping. They treat predators with more respect, don't they, with this one? Yes. Yeah. In a way. Yes. But it feels, it feels right. And also, um, like you said, lifting whole swathes of the Alan Silvestri score at yeah, times. I'll take that. Makes, it makes it sound right. Like AVP looked wrong and sounded wrong. Is it the Canon laser focusing sound yeah. that comes in immediately? And then the alien tracker, the, the sound of the tracker from mm-hmm. aliens is one of the first things we hear yeah. as well. And that, that was something completely lacking in AVP. And it helped me that the first five minutes of this, I'm, I'm almost convinced if I didn't hate the pred alien concept so much, I'd be into the hunter, the father and son and all that stuff. And I'd, I'd be, I'd be with it, but. They, they yeah. corrected the problem of the uh, Predator's ship looking like the most anonymous nothing as it did in the first film. They went back and obviously reshot that. Again, if you could see it, they've at least stuffed some more details into that Predator ship. It, it, it has at least a bit more of an aesthetic. It's the not Predator quite Predator 2, but is, it's better than yeah. AVP. Yeah, it is, it is better. As you say, Matt, the, the Liger design is, is, is dreadful. I mean, it's, <laughs> but, but outside of the Predator is, is definitely the character that they love. Um, and, and we, yeah. at least that feels more in keeping. And I did like his little fisty thing to get back up onto the main street from the sewers. I thought that was quite fun. Yeah. Smashing through the old, uh, the old, uh, and the never-ending uh, blue magic potion. Yeah, but even yeah. even the factory felt mm. like, oh, you've watched Terminator Two, have you? I see. Mm. Like, uh, uh, but again, like small town, but has a nuclear. I suppose it is America. It has a nuclear power plant. I mean, that seems a it's bit much. Pronounced. Do, do you have nuclear? nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have a um? What films were stolen from what for this quiz for this one, Gally? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't bother. The only thing I wish they hadn't done from aliens is take the sound of Xenomorph Wex <laughs> in Harold. I, the baboon yeah. sound was a, was a big mistake by <laughs> JC. That and, one. Uh, it, yeah, it still got, still got put in on this one. I yeah. think it's when one of the it's kids comedic, is getting, isn't it? And it's exactly the same every time. You know, the other thing as well, when we talk about convenience, like I thought it was convenient, but then it made me think about, you know, adding some uh, flesh to the characters The the, the blonde, she must take all of her new boyfriends to the pool at 10. Like, he knows yeah. exactly where she yep. is. Like, he turns I'm, up, the old oh boyfriend gosh, yeah. turns up, and it's like, yeah. I told her everything she knows. I told her to come to the pool at 10 p.m. That's the hardest way to do it. Uh, and then the aliens just, they just jump in the water. Like, oh, yeah. wait, what the hell's that? There's not even a chance to be like, what was that sound? It's just, there's a fucking thing in the water. <laughs> oh, on, on Legacy as well, the Predator's in the water quite a bit in this, and... You know, in previous films, we've learned that water's not great for predators, but 
I liked his introduction with him decloaking in the water. I know it's a total ripoff, and we've seen it done better in the previous two Predator movies. With all the electricity around it. I thought it was pretty cool. Again, turn the fucking lights up a little bit so I can see it. But I actually thought that was a cool introduction. Nothing was new, but they treated the, the Predator as a creature and as a guess a character with a correct amount of reverence. We've we've mentioned it before, but what are our thoughts on essentially making this movie completely redundant by having no one win? I mean, I get it's not yeah. really Xenomorph versus Predator, it's Liger mm. versus Predator, but what um it's a bit of bullshit, right? I mean, it's the it's the it's the return of the of the Living Dead ending, except that without the kind of the sort of uh, nihilistic tone of a Return of the Living Dead. But that is literally the end of Return of the Living Dead, which is they they solve the uh, zombie outbreak by just nuking the town. It's kind of a bit of a fucking cop out, though, isn't it? Like the Predator doesn't even. The, if we're going to say the Predator is the main character, or the the character that you're supposed to be like, I like you, Wolf. You're my favourite. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even get to kill the Predalien. He just gets bombed. It's stupid. <laughs> they stab each other first. Are you saying so that the, the VS die. in the title is suggesting that it needs that there needs to be a, a, a clean clean cut winner? They had it in their contract that they couldn't lose to each. The actors had it in the contract that they couldn't lose. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> like uh, that's like early nineties WWF booking. Hulk Hogan's <laughs> yeah. in there. He's got the ear of Vince McMahon. I'm not. Ta- I'm not taking. A, I'm not taking a clean loss on TV. I'm not taking an X for that son of a bitch. No chance. Yeah. It's like um, Statham yeah. and The Rock on the um, Hobbs and Shaw film. They had that in their contract. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, the the Rock's mask is slipping, and I'm glad, because, uh, you know, just tangential aside here, listeners, yeah. I don't trust him, okay? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh. I don't trust him. He's a bit too goody-goody, isn't he? Uh, we, we've touched, we've had little flirtations on this, but Darius, what would you have liked to have done differently in this especially with a mind to going into a third film can i can i take it patrick you can because i'm, I'm asking this i haven't prepared an answer myself no I'm no no I, I i no no it's a it's a it's a really valid question and i do have like just in the me in the immediacy an idea but it's not really an idea it's more of well if you're gonna do it this is how you probably should do it, yeah, um, it. the first one is don't do it but then the second <laughs> option if you are gonna do it is um i think I used I played the game when it was on PC, Aliens versus Predator, and it was actually Aliens versus Predator with Colonial Marines. If you had an infinite budget, if you had an infinite budget, you keep them off Earth because I think the sandbox for Xenomorphs and Predators, well, Predators less so, but for Xenomorphs is don't go to small town America with a Papa John's in the background and have an alien run around. It's, you know, it just doesn't quite work. <laughs> but, but I think, um, I think, um, I think, uh, Matt touched upon it. You know, the whole idea of like a, a town besieged, but if it was in the future where you could, you know, create some new, uh, new designs, bring in some, some real, something different, something we haven't seen before, but maybe in keeping with, um, the alien series, then maybe that's how you do it. And you have colonial Marines, because I think that's what, if you're, if the real hardcore fans of the alien versus predator sub series, I think that's what they really wanted to see. They wanted to see Hicks with a pulse rifle with predators and aliens running around. So that's how I would do it. But obviously it would have cost a lot of money. What about you, Devlin? Or are you another, just don't do it. Uh, I mean, at this point, you know, <laughs> you've, you've, 
you've fucked it. So you may as well just keep digging. <laughs> Dig up, stupid. Um, I would say I don't think that the essential basic concept of this was always going to have to be this bad. I think that you can do a small town America story because there are places in America that are quite um, uh, self-contained. Also, America has that strange thing whereby towns tend to be individual municipalities and um, you don't, the, the National Guard really do have to turn up in some of these places because, you know, they're, they're self-contained little towns. So um, if you're going to do this, which I'd say you can, I think you need to pick a tone. I think you, I, you you need to either invest a level of realism in it or you need to make it more of a kind of almost Twin Peaks slash Pleasantville slash kind of, or I don't even fucking One Tree Hill at this point. Like just, um, it, you know, have people have their little dramas and stuff, but it's it's the it's the deadening impact of nobody caring and nobody bothering to invest any personality in it that kills it. Um, Predator 2 injected a little bit of um silliness i think and i think that you could have just gone with that so i think that essentially you can keep most of it you have to slash the number of characters massively um and find an actual core to it and then i think just have a bit more fun with it because whilst i enjoyed the occasional bit of ruthlessness like i say um the jesse getting shuriken to a wall really got a laugh out of me both times the time the timing of it was very good as was the flop a little arms go in what about when the doctor gets his nose chopped off again like you you can go with that but you know don't do that in the same film where you've got it eating babies and slamming a proboscis down a pregnant woman's throat where she's screaming in terror like it's it's all it's all over the shop um so yeah Keep it, but make it dumber and more fun, I think. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I wouldn't do it. But <laughs> the only... I don't think you can do anything original with it now. And the only thing that sprang to mind was something Patrick suggested in an earlier... I think it was the, on the AVP one, where we have no humans at all. And there's a chance if you had a weirdo European director and you made it very sexual, very odd... I mean, I don't think you can subtitle it because that's ridiculous. Right oh, yeah, I want to see the subtitles. Yeah. It, it, it's a silent movie and it would be these two creatures, but with no human element. So I, I, I'm not convinced that would work, but that would be literally the only original way of tackling it, I think. But then, then of course you need, who are you going to cocoon? Where are you going to get things from? I think that the deeper we go into it, the more we're rehashing things that have happened before and the more, even with the Ridley Scott stuff that we'll hopefully get to, uh, the Prometheus and Covenant stuff. It's a rehashing and it's uh, a demythologizing. So it's very hard for me to imagine a way of doing this that that would work in an original, satisfying way compared to the movies that I loved at the beginning of the, the stint. You know? What about you, Patrick? You got an idea? Come on, yeah, Fox, Fox will listen. Like Matt said, um, I I would love some audacious film that has no humans in it. That is just predators and aliens on a planet mm. somewhere. And you said, Matt, what, what, how would they harvest like aliens, animals? Maybe they're in mm-hmm. some untouched place in, in, in yeah. the world and they harvest animals and something. But 
watching predators try and survive. And you know, I'm even up for them like making a little campfire <laughs> and making their dinner and stuff. And like pl- yeah. in the know, right planning. hands, there's a chance, isn't there? There's a chance. There is in the right hands. Yeah, like planning their attacks and and being ambushed, and then the aliens yeah. like just like the beginning like, of 2001, a space odyssey. Oh man. Um, like that that's silent you know you can get away with that can i mandate patrick in this screenplay that the predators can only say words that they've learned from the previous films so you know turn around turn around <laughs> it's uh, a winner there we go. We'll speak to Fox. We'll probably. Get I don't think we. Um. I don't think we have any favourite scenes of this one. But do we have any favourite reviews from Critics Corner? Yeah, it's a big one. Um. This week, I- I've got uh, the New York Times review by Neil Genslinger, and it's incredibly positive. Uh. It. What? Wow. He boy. called it. Um. It's a perfectly respectable next step in the series. Uh. Ryko Aylesworth from 24 and Stephen Pasquale from Rescue Me provide some acting cred. Yeah. <laughs> what? Robert, Sorry, what? Robert jo- <laughs> This is just to You're counter the, the, piss, the uh, it, No, this is to counter the British reviews, which made more sense. Um, Robert Joy is a perfect low-key villain in Military Guys. Greg and Colin Strauss, the directors, and Shane Salerno, the screenwriter, give the humans in the story much more attention than they received in the first film, which makes for a far more watchable movie. This is paid. This is a bum, right? Is that on? is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you, so, you're all, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, <laughs> As wrong as they may be. Yeah, clock is right <laughs> twice a day, but Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Shall we go back to planet Earth for some uh, UK reviews? Chris Hewitt at Empire was very damning. There's there's almost too much to, to go into Hewitt. here. Uh, I'll end with, uh, this film is a requiem after all. A requiem for two once great movie monsters, now defanged, neutered and buried by a couple of hacks named Colin and Greg. And it's an early but strong contender for the worst movie of 2008. They won, uh, won some Razzies that year and stuff. We've got uh, Peter Bradshaw at The Guardian. Oh, uh, he gave it one star. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't like it. Uh, he dismissed it entirely, barely addressed the film in his review, but offered, perhaps it's time to extend this face-off principle to other kinds of cinema. We could have an action horror with Kira Knightley from Atonement battling Helena Bonham Carter from A Room with a View. <laughs> The delicate porcelain of their English complexions flecked with spittle and blood as their jaws <laughs> extend into slavering mandibles. Oh, I love Peter. I, I saw one where somebody had said, um, uh, what about Alien versus Kramer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a sad, depressed Dustin Hoffman. Well, and, and our favorite two reviewers were, uh, uh, you know, out of commission. I'm glad that, that Rog and Gene didn't, didn't have to sit through this shit. Patrick, have you have you got a quiz for us? Because uh-huh. we're all paying so much, so much attention to this movie. Pop quiz, assholes. Got any candy? Um, right. Oh, well, I this is a challenge a for you guys. Yeah, watch your buzzers for this one. Oh, and a reminder. Oh, there's no that... quotes. It's a terrible <laughs> piece of work, isn't it? it really. Is. <laughs> <laughs> a reminder that Matt um, is winning the uh, the quiz overall. Um, Matt, what's your buzzer? You big bully. <laughs> <laughs> 
God. Yeah, we are struggling, aren't we? Devlin? I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to dip back into a previous film and uh, go for a Danny Glover. Goddamn. <laughs> Goddamn birds. <laughs> oh, Gally, I've got an idea for yours if you don't have one. You go on. It'd be rad. <laughs> It'd be rad. Yeah, we, oh, oh, that's a, you know, that's my buzzer. Yeah, considering the prices and property in LA, yeah, yeah, that's my buzzer. <laughs> Condos. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, get ready. Fingers, lips on the buzzer, even whatever. Um, question one: What was the name of the town? Goddamn big bully. Oh, goddamn. Um, Devlin, Devlin first. Uh, I believe it is Gunnison, Colorado. I'm going to give you that. It's Gunnison, not Gunnison. But I'm going to give you that. So guys. what's crested butt then? Why did that that's what's on from? the Why bus. is that written on a bus? <laughs> is that where he's that's... coming from or where the, the next town over? What is crested butt? It sounds like one of the towns our listeners write in from. Uh, this one's more difficult. Um, what's the name of the pizza joint that Ricky works at? <gasps> you big bully. Oh, Matt. Is it pizza one? Hey, yes, it is. Well done. All right. Devlin one, Matt one. Galley, this is the tie up today. Ever. Matt, you've got a chance to win today's quiz. Question three. Mm. How many xenomorphs burst out of that woman in the hospital? Goddamn. Devlin. <laughs> is it three? No, it is not three. Con- Sorry. Considering the property prices in LA at the minute. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Is it six? Oh, it's not six. I'm sorry. No. Big bully. Matt. <laughs> I'll try five. Oh, all of you missed the correct answer, which is oh. four. Four is oh. the correct answer. Oh, no. I think it would be three, like, G- like Ghidorah, like King Ghidorah, like a three-headed monster. I know. You know what, Patrick? It makes sense now because you know the Strauss brothers. This is the second film uh, after AVP, and it, and two plus one, and then if you just add another one, it is four. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Good thinking, boys. IMDb trivia. Yep, yeah, you can put that on. I'll put it on later. Summaries, team. Um, well, here's the big question. Final thoughts. And would you recommend AVP? I can't be arsed saying it. Matt, final thoughts on this one. Do you recommend it? Keep it brief. Jesus. <laughs> you almost did an a, a EEV then. EEV. <laughs> and that just makes me want to watch a good film. On the morning watch. The morning watch. Uh, fittingly, this film is kind of like a girl who doesn't have matching bra and underwear. It can't quite decide what, what it's doing. I've, I've written somewhere in my notes, it's not a disaster. So like positives, I wanted to try, you know, try and give it something. I emphasize that some of the effects are decent and it is their wheelhouse. Um, like anything practical, man in a suit stuff from probably Alien 3 on has looked really, really good. Like aliens, they're still struggling to figure it out, but the man in the suit stuff from Fincher onwards, I thought was terrific and it gets soured by CG sometimes, but here, you know, there's a few blips, but all that stuff with the national guard in the rain, I I can live with it. I think it's fairly decent action stuff. You know, it's generic, but it, it kind of has some mystique and it's bordering on pretty cool at times as the, as the Strauss brothers would say. If you go on in the playlist this week, there's a ton of stuff from Studio ADI on YouTube, which was really fun to look at, like how they did some of this practically. Um, I thought the sound design was good. Um, at hooking into those previous films, it is riding coattails, but 
um at least it's trying i mean avp didn't even didn't even bother with some of that stuff um that I didn't like that this pendulum swung back. Patrick mentioned it earlier, this idea that they rebelled against AVP being PG-13. And when that pendulum swung back into an R rating, even NC-17 was discussed. Um, it, the nastiness became the tone setter. And for me, it doesn't really belong with, with the, the flavor of the series. It, it was the wrong vibe. These kind of films need avatars. They need human elements the where's the ripley where's the dutch i'd 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 take a harrigan at this point i mean give me anything <laughs> i'd take pancho um, where's pancho <laughs> anyone <laughs> um th- i think there's always potential for a film like this to be interesting because the, of the quality of the creatures and the heritage of the series yet they consistently fuck it up they they're standing on the shoulders of scott and cameron and fincher and sort of wobbling around on the shoulders and then sort of falling off and that's what it's become. Uh, there's no protagonist through line. I, I mentioned it before. If this is a sequel to AVP or if it's part of a, a, a pre-designed trilogy, which it's not, there should be a Luke Skywalker discovering something in this. There should be, um, you know, a Sarah Connor. A, a, there should be a change in genre almost in the second one. We didn't do the sequel sins list. Maybe we'll do it on, on another one, but it, it failed Cameron's, um, what what was I going to call it? The um the the, the gym commandments. I thought of calling it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the only gyms ones. But and it failed everyone that I noted down. Um, yeah, a big takeaway for me was be careful what you wish for. I always wanted an aliens on Earth story, and and now I don't. It's a non recommend unless you're such a fan of these movies that you just have to see it. But you have to be warned. It may be so bad. It it's one of those ones that can retroactively damage perceptions and previous experiences with with the the initial original films so maybe don't bother i mean i just watch aliens 10 times in a row if if you want to it's a safer bet so i yeah i can't recommend um i will pass to uh devlin next how about you dev what did you think um i will open by saying that i agree um i don't want people to watch this you can if you <laughs> mm. want i'm not going to tell you what to do but i don't know i wouldn't <laughs> if you had the choice um or i i was trying desperately to work out whether it's worse than the first one and mm. i've not i've flip-flopped a lot because i disliked alien versus predator original flavor because it was um <laughs> televisual silly bullshit um, but this left me craving what even pathetic amount of character development that they managed over in that previous film. On the other hand, the execution of the execution of parts of this film was far less clumsy than in Alien vs. Predator. It felt right, like it could have felt correct, like it could have felt at least that it could have been in the lineage that they'd pulled enough of the of the the practical effects work and the sound and the score that it could have been somewhere near passable but it's just a sad indictment of how far down we've tumbled that we are like this is multiplex fodder this is dreck this is like it's it's just real bargain bin shit 
and to think that like you said you you're trying to make a film that's in the lineage of, of some of the greats some of the greats of the of the last 30 40 plus years of of cinema and this is what everyone concerned was perfectly happy with putting out into the world aside from the fact that it is visually um butchered to the point that you can't even see what's happening even if you turn the lights up it's not a good film it's passable at best and i just think that that's like such a shame i i i just don't understand why why they felt the need to cheap out quite so massively and why they couldn't even rope somebody in who could have some fun with it like that's that's the killer it's mean-spirited and not in a fun way and it could have been mean-spirited and like nasty kind of bullshit grindhouse late night whatever and they didn't even have the either the skill or the or the desire to do that so their intentions were murky the story is a mess the execution of virtually every aspect of it is fudged but there were technically competent pieces in amongst there which i guess offers an infuriating glimpse at a passable film that will never come to be. So I don't know, very confused, but it did make me angry. So I I could watch it in one sitting though. I literally could not watch the first Alien vs. Predator in one sitting. I did actually watch this all the way through, possibly because it's very short. But I don't know. What do you think, Patrick, since this was your first experience with this masterpiece? Hmm. You hit upon something there that I tried to put in my kind of summary, and it was which one did I like better? Alien versus Predator or Aliens versus Predator to give it a shorthand title, because fuck the longhand title. And on one hand, the the first, the, the Paul W.S. Anderson one, you know, I, I had L- Henriksen to latch onto and some sort of um, DNA from the alien world, should we say. And Bremer, maybe as well, and some hmm. try of characters and arc and uh, chicken cacciatore. Um, <clears throat> but just kind of found it really deeply disrespectful film in a way. And this one, the same. Both of them, very much a missed opportunity for me. And, you know, I said, fuck you. Paul in the last episode and I'll say fuck you Paul (laughs) again in this episode because he's like fucking David Cameron who put the EU referendum on a plate and then walked away and he put the Pred Alien on a plate here and he left it to two incompetent filmmakers and it's like here you go fucking make make what you will of this and we're left with a, a, a poor really poor film that is I can't recommend uh, I don't want to recommend it. It should have been something completely different and better. The, the technical aspects Devlin says there that he's torn on that kind of work. Well, stick with them. Get rid of the humans and stick with what you want. Just make an action film that is Aliens versus Predator, true to the title. And, and I don't know, just go fucking balls out and make a war film. That's what Jack Cameron did with the second film. He made a war film and it was you know, it was exciting. And if you you look at the critical response of Alien vs. Predator and it's not that great, so make a war film. Just fucking try something. But I, 
I don't know, like it's a shame on the studio for just wanting money and profit and merchandise or whatever. But it, I, I don't know the comic books. I don't know whether they're better or better storytelling or anything, but this is really bad storytelling. Um, why is it so dark? Why is it so much bullshit with the, the, the pregnant women when we've, we're on, uh, how many other four films that actually had something really important to say about birth and, and pregnancy and, and motherhood and paternity and all of this. And this is just wiping its ass with it by, making something horrific and throwaway for shock and schlock value that what pandering to teens for entertainment i i don't i don't know it's just immature it's a really immature film and i didn't enjoy it if you couldn't already tell um galley what what do you think well i mentioned it earlier the the key word when i think about both of the the Alien versus Predator films, but especially this one, is respect. I just don't think there's any respect for the creatures, respect for the filmmakers that have gone before, and most importantly, respect for the audience. You know, you said panda to teenagers. Teenagers deserve better. Um, like yes, I say, you're this quite isn't right. Just, this isn't just like immature. It's, it, it's, it's of no nutritional value whatsoever. Like you can't even enjoy it on a base level, surface level of Oh, you'll, it's fun. Just, you know, the old switch your brain off and, you know, you'll have a good time. No, you won't. You promise you, you won't. Um, yeah, it's got no respect for any of those. Instead, it just kind of barrels into cool sounding ideas and visuals and it doesn't do the bare minimum expected of any film, which is tell a story. If the Strauss brothers are Mac, Dutch, Pancho, Blaine and Billy, in the first Predator, <laughs> unloading mounds of ammunition into the jungle, trying to hit any one of their targets as filmmakers, then simply put, they hit nothing. <laughs> thank you very much. See how I did that? Um, very good. I got that reference. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah this joins Law Merman 2, colon, Beyond Cyberspace, as <laughs> the worst film we've reviewed on the show for me, comfortably. It's inept. I mean, any of the technical talent behind the camera that we've talked about was eradicated in post-production and whether or not the DP had a hand in it, I'd say probably not. You know, the Predalien, if you like it, or as I call it, the Liger, you know, yes, it might be your favorite animal too. Uh, an alien and a predator mixed bred for its skills and magic, as Patrick <laughs> said. But it's fucking stupid, okay? And it looks stupid and there's no effort whatsoever in that design. It's literally put some mandibles, get some dreadlocks, put, put a little bit of a predator head on it. And that's it. It's a strong, strong uh, not recommend from me. Uh, I'll happily never watch it again. Uh, luckily for me, as an Alien fan, the AVP series would cease to continue after this abomination. So what's next in the series, Gally? What, what's the next one? And next is Predators. Oh, yeah, Predators. That's the Robert Rodriguez produced one with Adrian Brody. We'll get to Predators. I went to the cinema to see it. Um, yeah. But if our listeners choose to completely ignore everything we've said, <laughs> and are like me and Devlin back in those yo-yoldy days of curiosity killing the proverbial cat. Where can our listeners find, and I can't say this title because it's too long and I don't want to, uh, where can they find the film? 
AVPR colon aliens plural versus predator hyphen requiem. Indeed. Lament. Lament. Yes. Uh, where, where can they find it? Disney Plus. Which apparently is the unrated version, as we discussed earlier, because you see mm, the um, yes. chest Too person hardcore. at the kid's chest in a close-up. Um, yeah, no. Voodoo and Java have got it. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't look anywhere else, but like uh, like you guys back at university days, save your two pounds and um, don't bother. Uh, having watched two versions of it, I will say that um, whether or not it was just it made a difference on which laptop I watched it on, I don't know. It does feel like the version that is on Disney Plus is not quite as heinously dark as the previous version which we watched on dvd that may be just an increase in screen resolution it's still too dark but it is visible apparently the blu-ray is a better transfer i will never find out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, if you do get a hold of the commentary uh, please do it through nefarious means but listening to these two chuckleheads is just uh quite fun it's on spotify for free yeah yeah it's on spotify i might put it in the playlist as well actually if you want something listeners of nutritional value something that you can be proud of look back on in years to come <laughs> and say i remember buying that and i've never worn it uh devlin <laughs> please tell our listeners about our merch I, I did notice by the way someone bought a jet t-shirt earlier in the week they did good on them um <laughs> uh Yes, uh, please head to rewindmoviecast.com. That's the website. That's where we put our show notes and uh, essays at times. I doubt there'll be one for this, but there will be a YouTube playlist by our very own Matt Ridley. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's quite good, actually. Like I said, the ADI studio stuff is quite revealing. If you're into effects, maybe you can find something there to to entertain yourselves. Uh, Probably more entertaining than the film. Mm. And if you head across on the website, you'll find a tab that says shop. That will take you to tmill, devlindoesdrawing.tmill.com. You will have the usual range of Rewind Movie Podcast branded merchandise, t-shirts, tote bags, sweatshirts, that sort of thing. A bunch of other stuff that we've done. I've got some Ross Meyer stuff up there, a bunch of uh, um, pr- uh, female prisoner scorpion stuff. A new shirt has literally just been launched. If you want to pay tribute to uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who died this week as well, I've got a daft sticker of him as uh, as her from Breathless. So you can uh, you can also it's, buy it's that. It's nice. As part of the Otter Adhesives. There's also a new Jaws shirt up there, which is nice. uh, um, which I'm still tweaking the design on, although by the time this episode comes out, we'll be finished. Listeners, if you like what we do, then please like the episode that you're currently on now, whatever platform it is. Share. Send us a little review. Spread the gospel, team. That's all we ask. Um, yes. Um, we do really appreciate it. I want to thank some of the listeners that have reached out to me since the last episode, just saying how they thoroughly enjoyed uh, some of the movies. Uh, we had one re- who is going to watch The Bodyguard before they listen to the episode, which I think is commitment to the cause. And we like that. But remember what we've just said in our summaries. If you are, are going to catch this episode late, don't bother watching the film. Essentially, is the recommendation. Please don't. We'll say goodbye, then, shall we, team? Well, because we're not going to make it out of this town without weapons, dickhead. It's Galley in Glasgow, <laughs> hoping never to see this movie again. <laughs> A requiem for my wasted Thursday evening. <laughs> it's definitely in London. I got nothing. At least now I know who ordered the sausage lovers. It's Patrick in Rome. It smelled like something died down there. 
Uh, it's Matt in South Korea. <laughs> Low energy outro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast.